Hello, everyone, and welcome to Faster Masters Rowing Radio, where having a rowing coach only makes you better. Following a program gives you a true pathway to becoming a confident rower who is respected by your peers. Become the athlete that you want to row with. Hello today, I'm Marlene Royal. Rebecca is away this week, and I will be your host today for our episode of Faster Masters Rowing Radio. Please share the live stream now to your social media account, and this helps us bring in new listeners. Now let's start briefly with a message from our sponsor. Today's show is brought to you by the Faster Masters Rowing Individual Membership for Solo Athletes. You are a keen Masters athlete and you want to row faster this year. You're fed up with trying to figure it out. Without a rowing coach or yourself coach, the individual membership is designed for you. Your monthly membership includes new articles posted each month and advice in six modules so that you use your available training time effectively and efficiently to become the athlete that you want to be. In our monthly training programs, they're tailored to fit the current racing season, whether it be 1K or 5K, Northern Hemisphere or Southern Hemisphere regattas. The membership includes monthly your training programs, your technique program, land training exercises, peak performance tips, rowing lifestyle advice, and we always include a bonus gift. When we have seasons overlapping, there are major differences when peaks occur or we have special notes. We're always designing our programs so that they fit either a North American schedule or a Southern Hemisphere schedule. So um, please take a look at our programs. And if you'd like to find out more about the Faster Masters individual membership, you can go to fastermastersrowing.com slash join. And there's an option for a monthly membership or an annual membership. So please, if you'd like to take your training to the next step, take, take a look at our programs and um, become the athlete that you want to row with. Our show would not be possible if it were not for supporters like you. So if you would like to support our podcast, you can support the show with a donation starting as little as $1. And you can get more information or sign up if you go to fastermastersrowing.com slash podcast. Now on with the show. Today, I'm going to do something a little bit different. And I'm. this is the time of year when we're all getting into racing. And we start thinking about, okay, how do we, how do we bring out the best in ourselves? How do, we, um, how do we race the best that we possibly can? And how do we train ourselves mentally to perform well? And there's a book that is one of my favorite books. It is called The New Toughness Training for Sports by James Lore. It's a bit of a classical book. And a while back, I wrote an article about this book and and how I think that it helps us as rowers to perform well. And my article is called Getting Tougher. So for today's show, I'm going to read you my article and hope that it gives you some good pointers and advice to approach your season, hit your peak performance, do your best. You know, we have people racing at Henley in England um, this week and Masters Henley 
coming up in a week. And um, in the North American circuit, certainly the 1K races are, are underway. So without further ado, let me read our article called Getting Tougher. How tough are you? Have you ever thought to yourself, it's never over until it's over, or never give up? Or said, I could have rode faster if I had stayed concentrated in the second half of the race. I wasn't thinking clearly. Building mental and emotional strength is an essential ingredient for success in rowing and sculling. And this is what James Lohr's book, The New Toughness Training for Sports, is all about. Lohr's classic book covers issues related to recovery, understanding the language of emotion, signs of overtraining, the performer self versus the real self, balancing stress and recovery, as well as the role of awareness in the mental toughening process. Lohr describes toughness training as the art and science of understanding your ability to handle all kinds of stress, physical, mental, and emotional, so that you'll be a more effective competitor. It's a method of perfecting your sports skills while minimizing the risk of physical injuries and emotional setbacks that can result from overtraining. Laura explains that a key element of toughness training is improving the routines used for recovery from stress during practices and between competitions to maximize an athlete's potential so that the mind, body, and emotions will become more flexible, resilient, and strong. If you are listening today, please tell us where you're from and uh, we'd love to hear from you. Next, Laura says, common words that we associate with toughness are cold, mean, insensitive, or heartless. These are not included in the toughness definitions here. Phrases such as monster pressure, resilient, flexible to rise to the surface. Laura describes four indicators of toughness. First is emotional flexibility, which is the ability to absorb unexpected emotional turns and remain supple, non-defensive, and balanced. To be able to summon a wide range of positive emotions, fun, joy, fighting spirit, humor, and bring this to the competitive battle. Second indicator of toughness is emotional responsiveness. Quote, this is the ability to remain emotionally alive, engaged, and connected under pressure. Responsive competitors are not calloused, withdrawn, or lifeless as the battle rages. The third aspect is emotional strength. The ability to exert and resist great force emotionally under pressure, to sustain a powerful fighting spirit against impossible odds. Fourth is emotional resiliencies. This is the ability to take a punch emotionally and bounce back quickly, to recover quickly from disappointments, mistakes, and missed opportunities, and jump back into the battle feeling really ready to resume the fight. Simply defined, 
It is the ability to, cons to consistently perform towards an upper range of the talent and skill, regardless of competitive circumstances. And I really like this section of the book where he says that, you know, when we think of toughness, we think of, you know, gritting our teeth and having a firm jaw and being <clears throat> very stern and insensitive. And, and he actually says this, this is really being tough is, is the opposite. It means being resilient. It means being emotionally flexible, being able to change and respond to situations that are unexpected and be able to know how to react to that in your, in your competitive situation. Um, and being able to stay connected when you're under pressure. And this, this is quite different from um, being cold and unresponsive and, you know, just focused on one thing. You know, you have to open up your, your mind and your attention to what, what is going on, what is, what's going on around you. So now to continue, he says, there are many athletic situations when the way that you really feel isn't the way that you know you need to feel to perform at your best level. The way that you really feel is referred to as your real self. And the way that you need to feel to perform at peak is referred to as your performer self. So I like this definition too. Your real self, just to say that again, the way that you really feel is referred to as your real self. And the way that you need to feel to perform at peak is referred to as your performer self. Positive and negative emotions are constantly intertwined in our daily feelings. Positive emotions relate to balance and health. Negative ones typically point us to unmet needs. Every feeling serves a purpose, and you will become a better athlete when you can respond to negative messages in a way that are appropriate versus blocking them out. To perform consistently under pressure at a high level requires that you have enough food. You have enough rest, you've had enough sleep, and you've had enough water. You must develop the capacity to move from the real self to the performer self on demand. And this calls for precise thinking and acting skills. So think about this, that you're on land and you're your real self, and now you're putting your boat on the water, you're stepping into the boat, you're sitting down, you're pushing away from the dock. Now is the time to draw on that performer self skills because you're getting ready to go out and perform and race or it may be a practice or a selection but you know you want to switch into that mode of performance and when you sit down in your boat you know this is you know how to tap into those that performer self an important thing that he defines in the book and he makes a point of saying is that you also must be fundamentally physically fit if your tolerance for physical stress is low, your battle may be lost before it begins. So I do think that this is quite an important point because here we're talking about mental toughness and how to engage in your performer self. And Lore makes a, a very strong point in his book that in order to mentally achieve what you want to achieve, you've got to have the physical fitness to back up what, what your goals are. Without that physical fitness, as he says, your 
your tolerance for physical stress is low, your battle may be lost before it begins. And hello, let's see, we have Jackie from North Shore Rowing Club. Welcome, Jackie. And we have James from the Auckland Rowing Club. So welcome to the podcast. It's nice to have you here today. Now let's talk a little bit about what are performer skills. And this is where he kind of gets into the nitty gritty of giving us some advice of how we can approach things. Performer skills include disciplined thinking and imaging skills that keep your emotions focused. In addition, physical acting skills that help you act the way you want to feel to achieve your ideal performance state. This is your body language, the way you move, intensifying whatever emotion you are feeling. Lastly, you have to learn new emotional responses to old problems. And I I like this phrase, you have to learn new emotional responses to old problems. Just as your muscles need time and stimulation to grow, so do your emotional responses. You need to practice putting yourself into situations that help you train your reactions, okay? So these are, are, um, for example, for racing, this is why doing time trials and scrimmage races can be critical to improving your performances. You have the opportunity to practice new reactions. And in your time trials, um, race simulation can be very valuable um, to go through the race plan that you plan, to go through what you wanna be focusing on. I think this is one of the really important aspects of race simulation to bring out more of your performer self. It's also an opportunity to put in unexpected events. For example, have have a um, backup plan. Okay, what do we do if somebody catches a crab? What do we do if uh, an orlock breaks? What do we do in a situation that we go off course? So these types of, you know, these types of scenarios can really help you practice for the unexpected and what are the emotions or thoughts that are going to go through your mind and how are you going to handle that situation? So this is, again, for racing, this is why doing time trials and scrimmage races can be critical to improving your performances, okay? You you have the opportunity to, to practice new reactions and have plans and know what to do. You can use words and images to control your performance state. For example, learn how to tell yourself how to hang in there, that that it's tough, but you're tougher, and that you can do what you want to achieve yourself. So this might be, you know, how you train yourself for that third 250 meters in a 1,000 meter race. This might be the middle of a 5K race. Avoid showing weakness on the outside and let yourself know that you are right where you want to be so that you stay passionate and fight no matter the circumstances. And staying in the present is really important here. This is taking your race one stroke at a time, focusing on, yes, I've done this in practice. I have the fitness to do this. I'm patient with this stroke. You want to make sure that you don't row in the past and that you also don't row in the future, but that you're engaging with your performance self at that moment in that stroke 
for that 150 strokes of your race, for example. Balancing stress and recovery is a major focus of Lohr's book. He writes, quote, stress is anything that causes energy to be expended. It occurs physically, mentally, and emotionally. Recovery is anything that causes energy to be recaptured. It occurs physically, mentally, and emotionally. Unfulfilled needs represent forms of stress. Fulfillment of needs is recovery. So let me read that again. I think this is a really good point when you're thinking about your energy balance and, you know, am I getting enough recovery for the stress that I'm enduring? And stress doesn't necessarily always have to be negative. It just means it's energy going out. So stress is anything that causes energy to be expended physically, mentally, and emotionally. Recovery is anything that causes energy to be recaptured physically, mentally, and emotionally. Unfulfilled needs represent forms of stress. Fulfillment of needs is recovery. In order to fight great battles and competition, your energy deposits should be roughly equal to your energy withdrawals. Think of this like your, your energy bank account. You know, Are you putting in more than you're taking out or you're taking out more than you're putting in? That's going to have an effect on, on your performance. Your goal should be to enter battle, competition, fully recovered whenever possible. Balancing stress and recovery is fundamental to becoming a tough competitor. Like balancing your checkbook, these factors need to be kept in line. For example, when you're going through a difficult emotional times, be sure to include some fun in your day. To get tougher, you need to jump into the fire and jump out before you get burned. Taking risks in life and competition is a natural part of developing strength. Talking or writing provides powerful relief for dealing with emotional pain or turmoil. This is one reason why you can spend time talking with your coaches, talking with friends or family about your problems, or keeping a training journal to help sort out thoughts. I think, I think journaling and keeping a training journal is a very important part of your athletic training because one, you can clear your mind of things that perhaps you haven't quite worked out. It might help you work out some problems or sort out some issues when you put it down on paper. It's also really good for you to have as a reference if you had a particular problem and you were able to work out that problem and you could see on paper the steps you did to, to remedy some of the issues, whether it be an energy balance issue or an issue in training, a technical issue, having that training journal as a reference can be very, very helpful in the future if you need to get a little bit of support. Of, like, I know I handled that at one time. I can handle, handle that again. So Laura makes, makes a big point of saying work hard, but recover equally as hard. Sharpen your saw regularly. And I, I always think about this too, that, you know, if, if your saw is dull, if your knife is dull, it's going to be a lot harder to engage in things on the level that you want to with high quality. So the term sharpening your saw 
you know, always means, you know, take that break, take that extra nap, take that extra day off, do what you need to do in order to, to get back on top of your game. If you're, if you're feeling fatigued or a little bit run down. Your recovery schedule should receive as much attention as your training plan does. That's a very important part of training program design is balancing, again, balancing that energy checkbook. Yeah, we want to do really good work where we're, we're mentally tough, where we're engaging our performer self. However, we've got to pay attention to recovery and balancing that on a daily basis, on a weekly basis, on the basis of of a season as well. Sleep ranks number one when it comes to recovery methods. Get eight to 10 hours of sleep every night. This is what Laura recommends. Go to bed and get up within 30 minutes of your normal sleep time. Learn to take short naps of 15 to 20 minutes whenever you can and track your amount of sleep. This is, this is quite, quite important is tracking your sleep and many many fitness watches will do that for you now and if you start seeing that your sleep is trailing off you're not getting that much you know make the adaptation in your training so that so that you're able to recover and still function on a high level in your training so that you've got good quality training because this is very important part of being able to engage your performer self is recovery and adequate rest Eat a healthy, well-balanced diet with adequate amounts of water and nutritious food. Enjoy both passive and active rest activities. Active rest can include walking, yoga, flexibility exercises, or easy, easy outdoor games. Um, I think when you have an active rest day, you know, don't go lift weights on an active rest day. An active rest day you know, walking, yoga, so 30 minutes, easy, just enough to kind of stretch out, reduce stress a little bit, but don't push your, your heart rates. Don't push your intensity when it's an active rest day. It's just to move, circulate, relax a little bit, but you really want to give your nervous system a bit of a rest. Passive rest exercise do not involve body movement. So for example, laughing, meditating, getting a massage, watching TV, having a whirlpool bath or a sauna, or taking a nap. These, these are passive recovery methods that, that are also really beneficial for you. So, you know, there are times when you just have to chill, relax, maybe lay down, read a book, be horizontal, let your body rest, let your mind rest. So on a final note, the application of stress is the stimulus for growth, but recovery is when you grow. And these are the, the key points in James Lore's book. And I really like that, that he defines your real self and your performer self, and that, that you have to practice, you know, when you sit down in the boat, now you are Jane the sculler who's going to go to the starting line and perform the way that Jane wants to perform and is competent to perform. And these skills are things that need to be practiced um, on a day-to-day -day basis. How are you going to approach? How are you going to be resilient? How are you going to handle difficult situations or 
um, expect the unexpected on race day. Something is always going to happen. It, the, the race may be delayed or um, all of a sudden uh, there's a breakage and you have to, to maybe get a spare rower or you have to fix an oarlock. You know, have plans, but, you know, learn to be resilient and think of yourself as that performer self when, when you're in the boat. And balancing your energy, treat it like a checkbook. You know, you've got energy going out. You've got recovery coming in. And what do you have to do in order to keep that saw sharp, keep the quality of your training high? And I would always advise um, if you have a choice between quantity and quality, focus on quality. Quantity is certainly important in terms of consistency, but it's better to have a little bit less uh, quantity in order to have a bit higher quality. And quality is going to help you train your performer self and build that confidence, back up the fitness levels that you have so that you can be the athlete that you would like to row with. So thank you very much for being with us today. This has been Faster Masters Rowing Radio, the show dedicated to masters athletes who want fun, fitness, and confidence in their rowing. Become a student of the sport by buying a Faster Masters Rowing Program subscription today at www.fastermasters.rowing. I said that wrong. www.fastermastersrowing.com slash join. And we have a, a note from Mike Wagner here. Hello, Mike. This reminds me of Brad Lewis describing shadow rowing in Assault on Lake Casitas, practicing different scenarios. Ab absolutely. And um, just thinking back to 1986, a little history here that when C.B. Sands and Chris Ernst won the women's lightweight double in Nottingham in, in 1986, one of, the, one of the things that they did, they were training in Boston. They were training in Boston before the regatta. And, um, you know, they had to train on UK time. So they were training at all kinds of odd hours of the early morning. And they did a lot of work with scenarios. What do we do if we go up, of course? What do we do if we catch a crab? What do we do if an oarlock opens and an oar pops out? And, you know, they were very prepared from this point of view to handle anything that might come up in the race. And I think that that's, a, that's a, you know, that backs up that confidence of your performer self. And um, if you have a chance to read the new toughness training for sports by James Lore. Um, I highly recommend it. It's, it's a very detailed book and gives you a lot of concrete strategies for improving, improving your rower. So thank you very much for being with us today. And we will see you next week at the same time.